0: do it so let's come into agreement over this word because this is an important word tonight and so father as we agree together we come to you in jesus name into his blood and we unify in prayer lord we lift this time up to you in the name of jesus and we pray lord that you would anoint me and that you would speak through me lord your words of life and it will be as living seeds of truth that are sown out in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives watered by the Holy Spirit even now Lord that you would prepare people wherever we're at wherever people are Lord that they would be a move of the Spirit of God they may be hearing this live but they may hear this a couple years from now does it make any difference Lord I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to move upon the hearers and help us have good fertile soil of hearts and minds Lord that even right now that eyes would be anointed ears anointed to be eyes and ears of the spirit that your holy spirit would help just captivate us and help us to lock in and give our full attention our best ear our focus that we're not going to be distracted there's not going to be wandering minds etc but lord that we would be able to really lock in by the spirit of god and really be able to understand the holy spirit to help us understand things maybe we didn't understand before maybe see things we didn't see before And, Lord, that this word will be implanted and that your Holy Spirit will water it in the hearts and minds and lives of people. It will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. That the winds of your Spirit, Lord, will carry this seed everywhere it needs to go and your mighty angels watch over it. I pray, Lord, as you speak through me, everything will be said that needs to be said, Lord. It will be thorough, it will be powerful, it will be effective by the anointing and there would be a washing of the water of the word a purifying of a bride there would also be um, a light your word would be a shining bright light of truth that would dispel all the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy clear that out and bring truth and revelation knowledge and Lord let your word be a hammer that's going to break through strongholds and let it be a sword that's going to be able to penetrate and get where it needs to go So, Lord, we stand on the promise that your word will not return void, but accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. And we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we bind up anything of the devil right now that would try to hinder this word from being preached or getting where it needs to go, accomplishing what it needs to accomplish. We bind you in the name of Jesus back off. And, Lord, that you would let your angels clear them out. And, Lord, we thank you that this will go where it needs to go and accomplish what it needs to do, and it will not return void. We pray all this in Jesus' name we agree together and there's an expectation we thank you for it now in Jesus name amen Amen. All right, we've been going through a series called doctrines of demons this has been an interesting series to preach and I've had a lot of positive feedback that God's really been moving in people's lives and um, anyway just want to thank you guys that have been really faithful to go through this with me and been praying for me I appreciate it but I'm gonna continue this this is part 11 and um, as I'm dealing with this tonight, I'm going to deal with counterfeit prophecy. We've been doing a lot of different subjects um, as we go through this, just a lot of ground's been covered, and this is very important topic to cover. All right, so um, I'm going to open up and read some here. I want to make sure that I begin and end on a positive note about prophecy because I do love true prophecy. How many of you guys love true prophecy? Yes, I do, and I believe in the, prophes- the prophetic office. I believe in the the gift of prophecy. So this is coming from that angle—a heart of love for prophecy, but want it to be pure, and untainted. Okay. All right. So First Thessalonians 5:14 says, "And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive." How many of you guys know that in a lot of churches? Which praise God, not here in River of Life or anything but in a lot of churches out there, there there's some lazy, busybodies that are always causing problems, right? It says, warn those that are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everybody. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. We need to work on that, don't we? Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. Verse 19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know what that is right there? The Holy Spirit will start moving in some places. And people are like whoa whoa whoa, calm down. Calm that down over there. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. And that can read do not despise prophecy so we love prophecy true prophecy but do not treat it with contempt do not despise it but verse 21 this is very important test them all hold on to what is good everybody say test them all all. so if we're going to be biblical and we're going to obey the bible the bible says that we have to test all prophecy you don't just blindly follow and accept everything that's a so-called prophecy hold on to what is good verse 22 reject every kind of evil may god himself i love this scripture i pray this prayer every day may the god of peace sanctify you through and through your whole spirit soul and body to be kept pure and blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ Isn't that that a powerful thing to pray? I would encourage you to pray that every day for yourself and your family. May the God of peace sanctify us throughout our spirits on body that we're kept pure and blameless till the coming of the Lord Jesus. It's a powerful prayer. All right, and then um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what a prophet is, and I'm going to talk about some false prophecy, and I'm going to talk about some true prophecy, and we're going to cover a little bit of ground here. And I'm gonna give you some stories, both good and bad. But let's go ahead and dive into that. So, what is a prophet? We know that some of this won't be in your notes, but we know that Ephesians 4.11 says that God has gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we know that there's the fivefold ministry. And we know that, for example, it seems like, just looking at it on a surface level, it seems like Romans has a list of giftings and that list of giftings in Romans seems to be maybe connected with the father and connected with someone that accepts Christ as their savior and then you have the gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 which the Bible calls them the gifts of the spirit so those are obviously from the Holy Spirit and we know that there's nine gifts three of which are vocal gifts the vocal gifts are tongues interpretation and prophecy And then we have the gifts of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4.11, the gifts of the Son of God. And Jesus has given these gifts, the fivefold offices, to the body of Christ for the maturing of the saints. And so that all of God's people can be brought to full maturity, perfect unity of the faith, every joint supplying, and things can be as it needs to be. And so one of those offices is obviously that of a prophet. And God has not changed his mind somewhere. It's not like there used to be prophets and there's not anymore, you know, there are the fivefold ministry offices very much um, alive and active today, all of them. And so I do believe in prophets and I love true prophets. We need them. They see things that we need to understand. But here's something I would just throw out there is that just because somebody has a particular gift in one area does not mean that they have a gift in another area. And let me give an example just because somebody is an evangelist doesn't mean that they need to be up teaching all the time just because somebody is a prophet does not mean that they're a teacher okay God has given teachers and teachers really studied up they have a love for the word they have it in their heart a love for sound doctrine and they really bring that like meat to the table and each each office has its function okay and we need them all so the office of a prophet is going to be somebody that is going to get revelation knowledge on a high level and I'm talking about a fivefold office I'm not talking about somebody in a church that can just simply hear from God every now and then or something like that I'm talking about a fivefold office they are going to get very high level revelation God's going to show them things very clearly and I believe, uh, going through this, hopefully I'll be able to cover some of this, but I believe a true prophet of God is not somebody that is tickling ears and just telling people what they want to hear all the time. A true prophet of God will obviously bring encouragement, but a true prophet will also bring correction. And will, expo- listen to this, will expose the devil. They will, they will come in and see the areas of satanic strongholds where the devil's been at work and they'll point at that and say that right there is a problem and they'll begin to expose it and they'll expose the devil's tactics and man when that comes it can bring major breakthrough because sometimes those things have been like a stronghold because nobody's discerned it but a true prophet of God will expose the devil and will also bring correction All right. so Rick Joyner gives a pretty good definition of a prophet it's very basic but he says a prophet is a friend of God I would agree with that God shares his secrets with the prophets and so a true prophet needs to have a strong relationship with the Lord now underneath that office of a prophet that's a very high level you have the gift of prophecy by the Spirit of God These are people that because of that gift in their life, they may be praying and they can simply get revelation for another person. And they may be given to, there's different ways the Holy Spirit moves in this, okay? I'll give examples maybe within even our own congregation. Some people are are really given to dreams. And they'll have dreams from the Lord on a regular basis. I mean, it's, when I say regular basis from the Lord okay it's not all the time but they come to me periodically with a dream they had and it's really from the Lord and I'll pray about it God will give me the interpretation and it was extremely helpful there's times that those dreams have really been very helpful number two there are people that are given to visions that maybe they'll be in prayer and God will just show them something And they don't fully understand all the time what they're seeing, but they'll see something. And as you begin to pray about it, God will help you understand what it means. And people that are very visionary, I've heard it taught and it may very well be true, they are more of what's called a seer in that area. They see things. They're given more to that. So that's in the realm of dreams and visions. Other people, they may get information as they're praying god will give them a word information comes to them in prayer about something either that's a warning something maybe that's being exposed like i mentioned earlier the devil's up to something it exposes it or maybe it's to bring encouragement that's important too that's an important aspect of of prophecy encouragement building up but it also will bring correction at times too So these are people within the church that just simply have a gift of prophecy. They're given to getting information. God will show them things. Sometimes I think that people misunderstand because there are different giftings that are revelatory. Like I'll give you an example of discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is extremely important, but it's also probably the most misunderstood. I would agree with that, that it probably is. I've heard people say that. But the gift of discerning of spirits is where God will show you if it's something of him or it's something that's of the devil that's going on, and we need that. Okay, that can kind of overlap. See how these gifts kind of work together? Somebody maybe that has a prophetic gift will also have the discerning of spirits too. They kind of overlap. And then you have words of knowledge, which, you know, a lot of times the way words of knowledge operate is somebody's up here and they're praying and god will give them a word of knowledge and they'll say there's somebody that your right knee has been inflamed it's in pain god is healing that right now and it will be healed or they'll say that there's somebody they'll be up here and maybe they're giving an altar call and they're calling people to get saved and they'll they'll say there's somebody out there right now that is in this audience or maybe you're online and your name is misty and you're a witch and the lord says for you to repent and see when they give that word that really hits home with that person so that's a word of knowledge it's information that somebody should not have had but the Holy Spirit gives that information so the gift of prophecy now somebody that's a prophet here's a a good reference to this is Exodus 6 verse 28 now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt he said to him I'm the Lord tell Pharaoh king of Egypt everything I tell you but Moses said to the Lord since I speak with faltering lips why would Pharaoh listen to me then the Lord said to Moses see I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet you are to say everything I command you and your brother Aaron will tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country so see Aaron in this case is like a prophet and so Moses would speak to Aaron like a prophet and then Aaron would convey that to pharaoh does this make sense so a prophet is somebody that's getting information from the lord and then giving that to god's people all right i love the scripture amos 3 7 surely the lord god does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants the prophets isn't that something so whenever god is moving i'll go ahead and give this i was going to tell this earlier but this is a perfect time to do it back in 1993-94 i don't remember exactly what year i think it was 94 but i could be wrong dr cho was here in america and he was praying and he was asking the lord are you finished with america because a lot of things were going downhill spiritually and dr cho along with the south korean people have had such a great burden for america because america had been you know it still is a a judeo-christian heritage and they wanted America to be strong, and they were really praying for revival. But when he was here, he was asking the Lord, Are you finished with America? And the Lord spoke to him and told him to get out a map. And his finger went to Pensacola, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to send a revival to America. It's going to start in Pensacola and burn like a matchhead, and then it's going to spread. And he began to give locations until all of America's ablaze and so God revealed that secret counsel to Dr. Cho before the Pensacola revival and see when that somebody had heard that and went to John Kilpatrick just telling him about it but you know him like a lot of pastors and even in myself have, have heard so much junk you know he just kind of took it with a grain of salt and was like well amen Let, I hope so you know well sure enough it was a true word of the Lord and revival broke out so let me read that again surely the lord god does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants the prophets all right so that's true prophecy that is explaining the office explaining the gifts now let's move to number two there's also false prophecy did you know that everything that god does it's like the devil has a counterfeit this is a whole sermon in of itself so i can't dwell on it long but every everything that God does the devil has some kind of a counterfeit and it's no different with prophecy the devil has people out there that are fortune tellers they're psychics they practice uh, necromancers talking to the dead etc and they, they are Satan's counterfeit to the genuine prophetic office and genuine prophetic gifting and sadly even in the body of Christ there are people that have a mixture. The perfect example in the Bible is Balaam which I'll come back to that in a moment But let me read you Acts sixteen sixteen, which I believe I've already mentioned this at least once in this series But Acts sixteen sixteen says this Once when we and this is talking about the Apostle Paul and who was with him Once when we were going to a place of prayer We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, I want you to really remember this. If you don't get anything else out of tonight, and, and even in the Doctrines of Demons series, just remember that the devil can give accurate information through a wrong spirit. Just because the information is right does not mean that it's God behind it. So this this witch, this um, fortune teller is following them and she's shouting. These are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Nobody can argue with that. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. See, he was grieved in his spirit. If somebody that was shallow and did not have true discernment might be thinking to themselves, hey, God has sent us somebody that's telling everybody to listen to us. Somebody that's got influence. And they're, you know, here they are shouting behind us for everybody to look to us and pay attention. But Paul had discernment. And he knew in his spirit that this was not of God. And he became so annoyed that he turned around and shouted out in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And at that moment, that demon came out of her. And, so, and that's a powerful story there. Now let me read Second 2 Peter 2.13. Remember me talking last week? You know, if you missed that, man, that was an important sermon. But I talked last week about how Jesus used terms like they would be false prophets, that they would be wolves in sheep's clothing. And some people don't like those terms. Because they've been abused by some people that are just religious. And I understand that. Those people were just used of the devil. But the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, Jesus Christ himself used those terms. So don't have a problem with those terms. Okay? And Peter says here they will be paid back with harm for the harm that they've done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight, their blots and blemishes. Reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. These are people among God's people here that he's talking about With their eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow what the way of Balaam son of Beor Who loved the wages of wickedness? but he was rebuked by his wrong for his wrongdoing by a donkey an animal without speech who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them for they mouth empty boastful words and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. I want you to remember this because I'm going to give you some stories here in a moment that's going to confirm this scripture. They appeal to people's lusts not just sexually their desires what they want their idols in their heart you'll see what i mean here in a moment they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error so peter is rebuking these people and he said that they have followed the way of balaam that's interesting so you got and look at the story of balaam balaam this was a weird story this guy got information from god He had some kind of a status of being some kind of a prophet and God would speak to him. He would get information from God, but yet he was also one that was given to witchcraft and getting information. He was a master of the occult. I'll put it that way. And so there was this ungodly mixture in his life. And let me say what Peter was rebuking here was that Balaam was somebody that loved the wages of righteousness. In other words, he would prophesy for money. I have been shocked at some of the things I've seen out there. People have come to my wife and I for help in different ways. And when we we went to minister to them, they're like, well, how much do you charge? I thought that was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I'm not being funny. That grieved me. I thought, my God, the people think that we're going to prostitute the gifts of the Spirit, the anointing, by charging people money for it. Whew. Let me tell you that anybody listening to this, if you if you want a good way to end up in hell, start doing that right there. What did Peter say to uh was it that Simon the Sorcerer? Simon said. I'll give you money to give me what you got. And Peter said, may your money perish with you. We don't sell the gift of God. Well, anyway. But there's people out there that whenever they, you know you want to know how false prophecy happens? I'll give you some examples. Somebody comes in to preach and the church or the minister that has them says, we expect you to prophesy tonight. You know what they're doing? They're trying to put pressure on that guy to come up with something. How many knows if God's moving that way and he gives a word, then he's moving that way. If he's not moving that way, he's not. You can't just come up with something. And if you can, it's not God. That's one way false prophecy happens. I've heard stories, and it's been exposed through Charisma Magazine and others, that there's people that you type in your credit card and hit pay and then they'll give you prophecies the bigger you're offering the bigger your prophecy that's a bunch of garbage they can keep their witchcraft false prophecies I don't need them <coughs> but there's people out there that operate in a familiar spirit they've picked up some kind of a, a an occult spirit because they can prophesy on demand somebody says we want a word they say okay and they'll just start giving words and it may be accurate information but you cannot control the holy spirit and you cannot turn on and off gifts at your will just to get a big offering or to have everybody want you back or to have a television ministry and have people ooh and awe at your accuracy that is that right there Those are the people that are following the ways of Balaam. They're prophesying for gain. If God gives me a word, he gives me a word, and I share it, and he's done that sometimes, but I can't make something like that happen. And I'm concerned also about people that just simply go whoring after prophetic ministries. Oh, if I can just get a word. Be careful with that. Because if you have that in your heart you may be getting stuff but it may not always be the Lord I spend time with the Lord every day I don't have to have somebody prophesy to me now there's levels of prophecy the highest level of prophecy is thus saith the Lord this is when somebody is heard from God And they're giving you a word and it's supposedly from God Almighty. They've heard from God. They're giving you. That's a very high level of prophecy. And you better be very careful with that. That's not something that's flippant. The second level is like a strong impression or discernment where you're getting information that you feel is from the Lord but you tell the person, look, you need to pray about this. This is just something I'm sensing. And then the last level is just simply, you know, there's a lot of the personal prophecies that go around and things like that. Some of that is good, some of it's the Lord, but sadly, a lot of it's not. And I think most ministers know that. Okay. Here's the way I look at it there are people that are young in the prophetic ministry, they're young in the office, they're young in their gifting. And somebody that's a baby Christian or maybe they're a babe in the prophetic you know there's a lot of grace there they're trying and they kind of step out and they give a word and it's just off you know y'all listen to me it's important they they step out and they miss God some you know then the, the minister whoever it is in charge needs to just tell them, okay you missed it and try to help them out and they're gonna encourage them but whenever you're dealing with somebody like that You don't want to come down too hard on them because they may feel like you know I never need to prophesy again and it may break them where they don't ever want to do it again and they get and they may have a legitimate gift but it's something that they're gonna have to develop in their life to some degree but the second thing I would say is this somebody that is a seasoned prophet that's been doing it for years somebody that's known for that maybe travels and they have that office and they've been prophesying for 20 30 years they need to be held accountable and and I've heard there was a particular person I'm not going to give any inclination who this is but there was somebody that's a minister that was just simply talking in a very positive way about their ministry and was saying yeah you know they they're about 50 50 they hit it about half the time you know and they were saying that in a complimentary positive way listen if somebody's been doing this for 20 30 years they're in office of a prophet they shouldn't be right half the time something's wrong amen Amen. am i just preaching (laughs) the wind here y'all help me out there's something (laughs) off if somebody can't even get it right half the time there's all kinds of motives behind prophecy i think that are the problem people sometimes are prophesying out of just different motives of their heart listen the motive of your heart about anything you do for the lord needs to be to glorify jesus christ period that's it there's no other motive even if everybody else in that room hates your guts your motive inside is lord i just want you to be pleased this is what you're telling me to say i'm gonna say it with the right spirit and everybody there may hate you for it but your motive has to be pure if the motive is to get a crowd is to be famous to be in the limelight to have big offerings there's no doubt that there's going to be a mixture like balaam of false prophecy and things that are counterfeit mixed into that all right now let me give you some stories if you'll bear with me just for a moment i'm going to give you some stories now i want you to know as I go into this, that number one, that I believe in prophets. I believe there are people out there that are truly prophets. I really do. There's, I don't think that everybody calls themselves a prophet is a prophet. I don't. But I do believe there's true prophets. And I believe they have a real gift from God. And some of them have been a tremendous blessing to me. And I do believe in the gift of prophecy. I've seen it operate and it's a powerful thing and I love true prophecy one of my favorite preachers to have that come into River of Life is somebody that's given to prophecy and he's very powerful in it and so when I share all this I'm not coming at it from a critical spirit at all I love prophecy okay all right but I'm gonna give you about three or four stories now this is straight from a minister that said he went to preach at a church. And as he was preparing his sermon he was getting ready to go one direction but the Lord told him I want you to preach on prophecy both the good and the bad and how there's there's false prophecy out there and there needs to be like a testing and all that and so he kind of wrestled with it because you know you just go into a church where you're just a guest speaker and just lay into something like that but he obeyed the Lord because he has pure motives of the heart so he goes in there and he's just gonna tell it like it is well after the service the pastor said we want to take you out to lunch and as they're sitting there talking the pastor told him said Man, he, he said you have no idea how important it was that you preached on that and he said let me just tell you a story about what went on in this church not too long ago now here's the story and I'm just going to read you straight out of this after service I went to lunch with the pastor and um, he went to de- he went into detail here's the story He said we had a prophet come we had a prophet come into our church to minister and the fruit was devastating let me tell you of a a situation that occurred with a couple in our church he went on to share a tragic story of a couple in his church who had the greatest desire their greatest desire was to work for an internationally known evangelist on the East Coast the desire was strongest with the wife Anytime the evangelist was anywhere near they both attended every meeting they could hoping to hook up with him You know sometimes let me just stop there This isn't really the point of the story But I've seen where people kind of idols in their heart and you can already tell right there that there's an idol, okay Um, Anyway, their pastor had invited a prophet to minister to the congregation this man this man had never been to this church before and was unaware of any personal situations or desires within its body at all. During the course of the service, he picked out this couple and asked them to stand up while he gave them a word from God. His message went something like this. Thus saith the Lord, I've called you to the ministry of healing. I'm going to remove you from this fellowship and send you to the East Coast. There you will serve and be mentored by, and he named that evangelist he will pour himself into you and it is there I will equip you for a healing ministry and bring his mantle upon you then after a season he will launch you and I will bring you back to this part of the country where you establish a powerful healing ministry the pastor said to the man who preached there the couple was weeping with joy and amazement those in the congregation who knew they desired to work for this evangelist either wept along with them or stared in amazement At the accuracy of this word almost everyone in our fellowship was excited except my wife and me we knew something was wrong why because the pastor and his wife knew this couple well they had sat with them through counseling and marriage sessions they were also concerned that this couple was overly enamored with this ministry like an idol they were not drawn to minister to people as much as they were drawn to the spotlight, and that's what they saw coming with this was the spotlight the pastor shared how this couple began to pursue actively a position with this ministry now let's continue on with the story so now what's the fruit of this that happened All right, this couple now began to pursue a position with this ministry on the east coast the husband quit his job They left for the East Coast. They met with one of the evangelist's right-hand men and shared what God had put on their hearts and their desire to serve the ministry in any capacity necessary. The assistant thanked them, but no position was offered, so they waited for a door to open. After a period of time and great discouragement, the couple had to return home. Nothing at all happened. They spent a good portion of their inheritance they had received attempting to make ends meet. They eventually lost their house the pastor looked at me grieved do you want to know what I believe happened and of course the man, the man that ministered said yeah he said I believe that this man the prophet that came he read the desires of their heart and spoke those desires out with a label of thus says the Lord but it was not God and i agreed with him i have seen this happen frequently in the church and that is exactly what i was speaking about this morning i'm talking about obviously the man who's telling the story recently the pastor informed me that this couple is now divorced the wife lives on the east coast and works in some kind of a ministry there not at all connected with the evangelist while the devastated husband still lives on the west coast the words spoken over this couple were spoken as if the um, it was the Lord, okay? So let me skip down, and the person who authored this was saying, how could this minister have been so accurate with this couple yet be so wrong? And he said, the answer is not as complicated as some would think. First, realize that we are spirit beings, and we can develop the ability to perceive the souls of others and read it. This ability is a form of discernment. If there's a call on somebody's life to the prophetic ministry, then that ability to discern the hearts of people will be even stronger. Paul told of how the pure gift of prophecy discerns men's lives. He said that if we are prophesying and someone comes into a servant's whose heart is not right with God, they will be convicted of sin. He said, as they listen, what the secret thoughts of their hearts will be laid bare, and they will fall down on their knees and worship God their prophetic gifting carries with an ability to lay bare the thoughts of men so basically even though this was accurate information it was not from the Lord and the outworking of it was devastating so just remember this that just because something is accurate information does not mean that it's God It's not necessarily always demonic either. This individual simply was reading the desires of their heart, reading an idol in them and was speaking into that. But the problem was that he was saying, thus says the Lord. And he gave them some word though. The word was not from God. It never came to pass. It never worked out. My goodness let me give you a few more stories all right this individual was saying that his wife all right i'm skipping down here i'm sorry the most let me go to this one the most tragic baby prophecy i know was one where a minister called out a young unmarried virgin and told her in the church service in front of everybody told her that the lord had showed him she was pregnant the girl was visiting friends at this church and was engaged this humiliated her in front of the whole assembly and she argued that that was not possible and he argued back that that's what god had shown him and it was true but when confronted after service he backed down and changed his word to say that when she got married she would have a little girl she is presently married and has been for a few years and there was never a child out of wedlock as far as, and the writer says, as far as a little girl, well, there's a 50-50 chance on that. And I mean, Let me just say that this will shock some people, but the stories I'm reading, a lot of these people have very well-known ministries. All right. I'm gonna read just a few more stories. A woman. This. This is the writer of this. Okay. He says a woman that my wife knows was told about two different well-respected prophets and a pastor. As she was to, she was to marry this man that she had started dating. The prophecy spoke of the babies that they would have together, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and God's, God's marvelous plans for them and all that. The only problem was that this man was filled with lust, would swear when frustrated, and was a moocher. He couldn't hold a job, and she ended up supporting him financially in various areas. All the signs told her to end the relationship, but she didn't want to go against the word that was given her. If she left him, she would be leaving some God-ordained relationship. So after a two-year nightmare, she finally cut it off with him. She was devastated. Three years later, I asked her if she believed that it was God's will for them to be married, and her response was absolutely not. So thank God that they didn't marry you got to be careful throwing around these prophecies you know I hate to say it but this is just a, a couple prophecies out of no telling how many thousands out there that have had a very negative impact on people's lives alright I'm gonna give you just a couple more one man in his forties said that his family I know the love the gift of Christ okay there was a man that was a gifted craftsman and handyman okay he's telling a story about him he was very gifted with his hands like doing work like that he loves serving ministries has helped us many times this is the writer here a couple years ago he was told by a well-respected prophetic minister that he would astound men of the world with his business knowledge and wisdom to this he would answer that he had learned it after receiving this word and this guy that's writing this says, Our friend called wanting to know how he could enroll in Harvard. I was taken aback by his request because I knew that he had a rough time graduating from high school. But he had a good job working in maintenance and construction, things like that. And shortly thereafter, I stopped hearing from this friend. I called another minister recently and found out he was working two jobs to make ends meet one as a bellman, another as a clerk in a department store. The word pulled him off course and threw him in a pursuit of its fulfillment he was trying to make something happen at Harvard that just wasn't God all right I think that this is the last one I have here if if not there's just one more but let me read this many years ago now this is the writer here saying that my wife and I first traveled we faced several disappointments with a couple of ministers there were things that were said about us that were not true which created an atmosphere of intense testing for us my wife attended a meeting of a well-known prophetic minister who is considered to be very accurate in the meeting this man's wife was called out and asked to stand the minister acknowledged knowing little about them and what they had been through then proceeded to give this word to my wife the word was very encouraging and made us look and feel good it identified us as being in the ministry, and then came out with words similar like this: "The Lord says they have spoken against you in private. I'm going to make them apologize publicly." My wife was in tears. God has identified the hurt and pain, and comforted me in it. She said, "She left the meeting, um, making a mental list of those that owed her an apology." Okay, now I know everybody who's against me. God's on my side, you know, and. And when she came home and played the tape of her prophecy i listened to it this is the writer here and he said to his wife this is not from god jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do not father make them apologize publicly all this word did is diverting our focus back on us and our past pain we have forgiven those people we release them I'm not looking for an apology she agreed to date no one has ever apologized to us publicly let alone um, I mean he said nobody's ever apologized to us privately let alone publicly so see that wasn't even a true word the danger of embracing this word would have been this even though it was accurate information it would have aborted the work of character in our lives that God was doing All right, there's many more that I could say tonight but I need to get off this all right so the Bible says to test all prophecy and hold on to what's good but to test it to make sure it's of God okay and let me say again just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's the Lord so back to the notes here false prophecy I gave you some stories false prophesying people can prophesy out of the desires of another person's heart and read those desires they can speak to the idolatry in them others prophesy for money for gain or recognition and let me just mention too that the bible says that that girl that followed paul and was giving that you know prophetic word it was demonic Um, the bible says that she had a spirit of divination but in the greek it's a python spirit and so Python works very closely with the Jezebel spirit. And these spirits bring counterfeit revelation. And I've had to deal with this just a few times, but there was, a, you know, some time past. There's an individual that had this type of a spirit Jezebelish, the home was out of order. There was a Python thing, counterfeit revelation. I knew it. I knew it by the Spirit of God, I had no doubt and this individual was trying to go through and prophesy and give words to people and stuff and I told them um, nicely and in private it was just me and my wife and I was very nice about it I said right now I don't want you doing that maybe down the road at which time this person started getting irritated with me and from that moment on turned against me and then began to try to turn other people against me sadly they were successful but it all went back to this counterfeit spirit counterfeit prophecy and if I had let that go on in the church and this person go through and begin to lay hands and begin to give words and all that it would have polluted what's in this church it would have brought with it some kind of a defilement some kind of a mixture and that's not God Python and a Jezebel spirit you gotta judge also the fruit not just the accuracy of a word but the fruit because Jezebel's and those that have a python spirit that float around in churches ultimately the so-called information from God that they're getting will many times be very negative about a, a pastor about other male authority figures it'll be very negative it also will sow dishonor division And it will cause things to be confused and out of order. And many times, the reason why people will accept prophecy, even though it may not be accurate, is because it feeds their human desires. Just like the couple I read that they had such a desire and idol in their heart to go work for some ministry on the East Coast it was something that was an idol and as soon as they got a word it was like a green light for them that it fed their human lust their desire and when i say lust i'm not just talking about sexual some people almost have some kind of a lust about them about certain things that needs to be crucified in them but i do believe in true prophecies now let me switch this for a moment and just give some accurate prophecies that I've seen you know before my wife and I got married she was going through a very difficult time very difficult as a matter of fact Satan was trying to cause her to lose everything and things were looking very bleak and I remember I was praying for her, and the Lord spoke to me that he was about to turn everything around I knew I'd heard from God and when I gave her that prophetic word something set in motion and there was a particular individual that was used by the Lord. And let me tell you that literally every single thing turned around in her favor. Everything. That was God. I remember driving years ago before we ever ended up in Garland. I remember because that's where we are right now. I remember that I had a vision. And I shared with my wife about some, uh, remember that? It was like the, you remember back in the Roman days? They would wear those like um uh, it's called a garland but i saw a vision of that and i thought what in the world i prayed about it and i felt the city of garlands i came here and i was driving around praying but it was years later before we ended up here but god had already showed us and i gave you dr cho's prophecy there's many many other prophecies i've seen down through the years that were very accurate very powerful and so i want to make sure that i leave on a positive note see i wanted to begin and end on a positive note about prophecy because i don't want you To leave this sermon being soured against prophecy you know why the Bible says don't despise prophecy because God knew that it would be a tendency to do so because God knew there was gonna be all these prophecies floating around that weren't of him and I'm gonna tell you that it's concerning to me but I would say a vast I would say that the majority of these personal prophecies that are floating around sadly are not God but there still is what is of the Lord out there. And so you just have to take things and pray about it. All right, let me give you a few things. Now, some people would say, well, this is how you discern prophecy. If it comes to pass, it was true. Well, yes and no. And that's not always the case. But see, that's where people need discernment. A lot of people don't have discernment. Let me say this real quick about discernment a lot of people don't really have prayer lives like they should they really don't and so therefore even if they used to be sharp they're dull man they're spiritually dull they do not have discernment and so what they do a lot of times is they follow crowds they follow charismatic personalities they follow different you know the smoke and the lights and all you see what i'm saying that they feel like what must be god true prophecy can be delayed and even aborted and let me give you examples first timothy 1 paul said timothy my son i'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by them recalling them rather you may fight the battle well holding on to faith so we see that the prophecies that were made over timothy paul said that you need to recall those prophecies so that you can fight the good fight of faith so see prophecy comes and it reveals the will of God it may reveal your destiny it may reveal something God's wanting to do in your life and it's a true word and you have to remember those you have to write them down and you have to begin to pray into them because the, the devil how many knows the devil is simply going to try to resist you in your destiny and so by recalling these prophecies that have been spoken over you, it increases your faith so that you can fight that fight and say, no, that this is God's plan. So once somebody's given a true word and you've prayed about it, you really feel it's God, you need to hold on to that because the devil will fight it. So let me give you a couple ways that the devil tries to abort. God may give a true powerful prophetic word over somebody it's connected to their destiny and it may absolutely not happen let me tell you why number one if they're disobedient God said your word is that you're going to go over there and you're going to do this and like Jonah they say forget that I'm going over here and I'm doing that That prophecy was from God they miss God or God may give a real powerful word into somebody's life and it's really him but they get into sin they backslide, get into sin or they get really rebellious toward authority and they start bucking up against the authority or maybe they get really bitter and that prophetic word is not going to happen until they deal with that the third thing I would say is to wage war over those prophecies some people get discouraged they've had a true word from God and it is God and they begin to move forward in that direction and they're praying about it and the devil begins to rise up and resist them and it seems like everything that could go wrong starts going wrong it's severe what they're going through and they end up getting discouraged and they they end up throwing up their hands and giving up and saying man there's no way that was god simply by the fact they gave up the prophecy may never come to pass don't discount the satanic resistance against a true word of god because if it's connected to your destiny and it's connected to something significant you better know the devil's gonna resist it and I'll tell you something else that can hinder a prophetic word from coming to pass is unbelief how many knows that God moves through faith you know God gives a true word and somebody says I just don't believe that and walk off there was a story a true story about a woman who has powerful ministry and she had a word from God about things going more international and she really felt it was from God but man everything that could go wrong went wrong financially she began to lose just about everything she had it was really bad and she was so discouraged and so negative and she was speaking things out of her mouth like you know I felt like God told me this there's no way that's ever going to happen you know and God spoke to her one day and said that she had to live by faith and she needed to stop speaking negative and start speaking faith For god to get her out of that situation and so she did she repented and she asked god's forgiveness and she began to speak faith and believe god for provision do you know that god raised her up and her ministry went international just like what god told her isn't that something so see this is why we need doctrines of demons i've been dealing with true discernment i'm I'm grieved sometimes in my spirit because there's people that used to be very sharp in their discernment that because they don't have much of prayer lives anymore they're not sharp they used to be like a razor now they're like a butter knife you know (laughs) and they just are they don't see things like they used to you can feel it it's just not what it was and um, different things have happened to get people off course and but regardless there are still true prophets out there and they're still true prophecy the Bible simply says to not despise it but just simply test it so let me tell you what not to do don't be critical now, somebody says well I have a, a gift of this that and the other and it's not really discernment what they're talking about is is they're just critical and suspicious that's not a gift if anything that's demonic you know they're just critical of everything that goes on and they're real suspicious and they're always just like i don't know about this person i don't know about that and that's their attitude that's not god okay what we do is we live by faith but simply whenever god gives a word we honor god but we just simply test it is it god or not let me encourage you don't ever make life altering decisions based on a word without hearing from god for yourself don't marry somebody don't go to another country don't go into a ministry situation don't sell your home Don't do some life-altering thing just because somebody gave you a word. You pray about it and you hear from God. How many people have gotten off course because of listening to some word and it wasn't even God? And let me close out with this last couple things. Pray earnestly in your own personal life this would be something to underline circle put asterisks okay pray in your personal life that there's not going to be pride and there's not idols in your heart people have their own idols their own discontentment in themselves materialism whatever it is something in their heart that's prideful idolatrous and that right there sometimes is where the false prophecy keeps coming to them it's feeding that idol in them but if you pray and let God pull all that pride all that idolatry out all that discontentment out then there's nothing there for the enemy to use to exploit in them you remember what Jesus said the prince of this world's coming but he has nothing in me my God that should be all of our prayers Lord take everything out of us by the roots and kill it that's not of you. don't let us have any pride don't let us have any idols we don't want to live in discontentment we don't we don't want to be materialistic we don't want to be lustful we want to be pure in our hearts and another thing I would warn about is this it seems to me this is just a personal observation but people that have been exposed to something that's counterfeit counterfeit revelation or some some other counterfeit I've been talking about through this series it seems to me like that they develop a taste for the counterfeit and they want more of it and then whenever you try to give them the real they don't like it so much because the counterfeit to them keeps being the Twinkies and the M&Ms but all of a sudden you give them the real and it's the Brussels sprouts (laughs) it's the broccoli and they don't like it they like that counterfeit garbage and I want you to think about just for a moment how popular was Jesus really When he went into places and preached and taught and gave parables and gave prophetic words, how well was he received? Don't you think about the early church? People like Paul and Peter, and we read their sermons. Were their sermons tickling people's ears? We go back and read their sermons. Some people need to do this, actually. Go to the book of Acts, get on Google look up the sermons read the sermons how did our fathers of the faith of Christianity how did they preach how did Jesus preach the Bible says beware when all men speak well of you because that's the way they spoke about the false prophets if everybody is speaking well of you according to Jesus Christ that may be a very bad sign did you know that it is possible And it's actually likely that the prophet Jeremiah was the only true prophet in his day. But there were thousands of false prophets. Thousands. What were the false prophets saying? Peace and safety. God's blessing. Everything's fine. What was Jeremiah saying? Everything's not okay. God's not happy with your sin. Repent. Just throwing some things out there. Does the so-called prophetic things that are out there, are they calling people to be more like Jesus? To live a crucified life with Christ? To take up their cross and follow him to the death? Obedience to the scripture? Or are they feeding people's idols in their heart and their own selfish desires, and their own lusts, and what they want. So, I would strongly recommend that every Christian get these three books and read them because they're important. I just put them in here as recommended reading. One of them is Unmasking the Jezebel Spirit by John Paul Jackson. I really recommend that book that book deals with how Jezebel can get false prophecy it's almost like a clairvoyant psychic type thing the prophetic ministry by Rick Joyner is very good very positive book about the prophetic ministry but also you need to read this book it's called Thus Sayeth the Lord by John Bevere and the stories that I read out of here today were from that book by John Bevere so I'll give him credit But he deals with some of the false prophecy and the counterfeit things that are out there. All right. You know, my wife and I have been talking about this, and we're going to pray in just a moment, but just leave the recordings going. My wife and I have been talking about one of the reasons why I'm preaching like I am on this Doctrines of Demons series. The Bible says that they would, what, be seducing spirits. So there's going to be demonic spirits of deception that are floating around. The Bible says that. And there's going to be doctrines of demons. There's going to be weird teachings that are leading people astray. And I've noticed some things. And um, I'll give you an example. This this may not be the best example, but I think it'll it'll get the point across. But there was a man that recently um, he professes to be a Christian. There's some things in his life, and but some woman just simply made the comment to him that because he's up. And he's always talking about things. I'm not. I don't. He's not a preacher or anything. But he's just a social media person. But you know, he just keeps getting more and more tattoos and stuff. And and she was saying to him, you know, that as a Christian, she didn't, that wasn't really favorable to her. Well, that's her opinion or whatever. But I remember not that long ago, this guy though was really blasting a preacher because he didn't agree with something financially he was doing. Isn't it interesting? That with the same measure he was judging somebody else now he's being judged it's interesting but anyway so he gets on social media makes a video where he's just you know going off about how it, this lady's judging him and doesn't know his heart and all this stuff okay well maybe so i don't know but but i will say this it seems to me that what you and i are going to see in the days to come will be this there's going to be people That they're just simply going to do what they're going to do if the Bible is not favorable favorable to it they will either discredit the Bible or they will manipulate scriptures to justify what they're doing but at the end of the day and end of the day they are going to find a way to do what they want to do whatever that means alcohol substances profanity um, sexual activity whatever it is they want They're going to find a way to justify this rebellious activity in their life. And the thing is that there's also going to be a group of people that are like God's remnant. And these are people that have really, truly been touched by God deeply. And they love the Lord with all their heart. And so whatever would possibly be displeasing to him, They just simply are not going to do it. At the end of the day, people can tell them you can do it and still go to heaven. People can try to sell it to them. People can pressure them. But at the end of the day, they feel in their heart that it's just simply not pleasing to the Lord and they're not going to do it. And you're going to see these two groups of people grow further and further apart. Why? Because God is separating The wheat from the tear. There's people out there that are rebels. And they call themselves Christians, but they're always trying to figure out, well, I can do this and still get to heaven. I can do this and still be right with God. Somebody that's really in love with Jesus is not living like that, where they're always flirting with the line, seeing what they can get away with they don't live like that they live like the line needs to be way over there i'm going after god and there's just a very there there are some very strange spirits that are circulating out there people can do what they want to do and they're going to my wife and i'll tell you just being in the ministry. It doesn't matter what some people out there, what the Bible says or what we say. They're just going to do what they're going to do. They're rebels and they have a rebellious nature. But it's for me, I'm going after God. It, you know, it doesn't matter to me what other people do. So that may not be popular right now. What seems to be popular is that um, preachers that are just making people feel good in what they're doing motivational speeches make people feel good make them happy get the butts in the seats get the offering in you know but by biblical standards just based on the word of god alone the people that are just telling people what they want to hear while they're on their way to hell by definition is a false teacher a false prophet and a wolf in sheep's clothing that's by definition my job as a preacher is to lead people to Jesus, not give people motivational speeches, not make people feel good all the time. There's a place and a time for preaching sermons that build people up and encourage people. That's important. and there's a there's a place and a time to have prophecies that encourage and edify and build people up. That's important. But my responsibility, holding a five-fold ministry office and being a preacher and having Um, influence where my words are going out there is to make sure that people are ready to meet Jesus when they die and the sin is going to be dealt with in their life and if I'm not doing that then I'm in danger and I don't want to be like Balaam and be one of those that's just a hireling some people out there pastors and other preachers out there they worry too much about what other people think They live in fear too much about certain groups of people in the church getting mad at them. They're concerned about the offerings disappearing if they tell people certain things. Sir, you're going to have to deal with that. Because man, on Judgment Day, they're not going to be there. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there alone with Jesus. And we're going to give an account. God will take care of us. Just preach it like it is. So, Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture that says not to despise prophecy, but to test it. Test all of it and hold on to what's good. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. We love you. We thank you for your word. And, Lord, I pray for true discernment to be in our lives, Lord, that we will have sharp, true discernment. We have eyes and ears of the Spirit forgive us Lord if we've been going along with things that are not of you father we speak that that be destroyed off every mind and every life in Jesus name it be bound lying deceiving seducing spirits doctrines of the enemy be destroyed be cursed and be bound to go from people in Jesus name that the power of that is broken off their minds Lord let there be truth and help us Lord as Thessalonians says that we have a love for the truth Lord, help us to have it. Give us your love for the truth, a love for the word, and a love for what is pure. We thank you, we love you, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's shut down recordings. I'm gonna pray for people, but I want you not to move yet, okay? I want y'all just to look this way while my uh, my assistant starts playing the sermon back, back there. I heard that. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. But I want y'all to look this way for a moment. We're going to pray for people. And what I felt all week was I'm going to anoint and I'm going to pray for you that God will anoint your mind and your heart and give you a wise, discerning heart. You remember how God gave that to Solomon? He said he had wisdom to discern. He had wisdom. And the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm going to ask God to anoint you and give you grace to begin to discern what's him and what's not in a different, in a new way, a new level that you've not known before. And so just to put that out there, okay? I believe that um, as revival breaks out in the future, you know, you got to deal with stuff, the true and the fake, you got to deal with it. You know, that's what happened at Azusa. William Seymour knew God was moving no doubt but there was a few weirdos that mixed in and he was concerned about it and he asked um, Charles Parham to come in and help him with it well Charles Parham bless his heart he turned against the whole revival just because there was a couple weirdos but to be honest with you though Charles Parham was also kind of a white racist and Azusa Street was a black church I think some of that played in but anyway he began to go against that whole revival I mean he was this whole thing needs to be shut down you know and so William Seymour had to padlock him out and tell him don't come back and it was unfortunate because William Seymour looked up to him like a father in the faith a teacher somebody that maybe could help him to clear some things out so anytime there's a move of God there's gonna be what's of God but Satan will try to throw a few tears in with the wheat and bring a little bit of mixture and you've got to discern that and you got to put your foot down and not put up with it because if you tolerate it it can give place to other spirits and bring a mixture and we ain't doing that here as they say in Texas and River of Life amen we ain't doing it all right so let's go ahead and move the chairs and and we'll uh, pray for people here in just a moment